I wish I had like the Jeopardy music. I'd be like, <laughs> you know, in country music, you're not gonna, you're not gonna outdo Hank. So it's like you can't over, you can't over Hank it. You know, it's like no matter how many times you, you do it, you, you might can over drink it, you know, and overthink it. And if a ship comes rolling in, you can sink it. But you, in country music, you can't over Hank it. That's just the truth of it, man. Hey, this is Party Like a Rockstar podcast, and I'm your host, Joel. Today's episode is brought to you by Misha's Kind Foods. They're an LA-based small business making the world's finest non-dairy cheese on the market today. They're lactose-free, paleo, keto, kosher, perev, and 100% vegan. If you like what you see, check out the next video. If you like this video, please subscribe and like by clicking the little round button on the bottom right. To learn more about me or our other guests on the show, go to joelrody.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. The handle is Joel Rohde. If you haven't already read my book, Memoir of a Rohde, it's now available through Amazon and paperback Kindle or as an audiobook. I hope you enjoy the show. All right. Cool. Okay, I'll introduce you guys and we'll get going here. Yes, sir. Brian Martin is a Cherokee Indigenous American country artist. His newest album is titled Self-Inflicted Scars. Urge you to check it out. Second guest is David Rosales. His newest release is called Spoonful. It was released in honor of Earth Day and is streaming now. It's funny, actually, because I watched the video, I kind of got high. <laughs> spoonful. <laughs> but it's because it's like the nicest little video. If it was like a, if it was like a dark video, it would have been like Spoonful. <laughs> <laughs> you can check it out on YouTube. I am going to add the link here. The video is fucking great. And uh, I urge everybody to check it out. And uh, so my first question is, is actually, it's a question to you here, David. And you wrote a song called Good to Be Alive. And yeah. I was wondering what the song's about. Um. Yeah, it's a great question. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Joel. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Second question. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> that was right, meant right. to be a joke. It was yeah, meant yeah. to be a joke because it's good to be right, alive. I don't know. I was gonna. I was uh, gonna ask. I was gonna ask uh, Brian here. How come you don't write any good to be alive song? <laughs> I'm still trying to find that day. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, if you have a real answer, I'd love to hear it. What do you have, David? Yeah. No. Uh, a big trail runner. And uh, I just got into running. It's weird because you think you know how to run until you start running long distances. And then you realize that you have no idea how to really run. I mean, it's like anything that you get into. You're like, the more you get into it, you're like, oh, I don't know anything about this now. So I got real into it and um, and just like doing these ultra marathons and stuff. And it's a real kind of cool thing and a, and a good community to be a part of. And uh, just being out and about, you know, in the hills here in Southern California and wherever else I am and stuff. And um, Are you one of those guys that will do like a hundred mile race? Yeah, I mean, well, an ultra is classified as anything over a marathon distance. So, yeah, we go 50K to 100 mile, 120, whatever. You know, I've never gone at that distance. It's definitely something that you build up to. Um, and there's a lot of cats that are older you know, like, uh, you know, 50s, they're hitting their peak and stuff like that because they have the time to train. They also have the, you know, they're not as like, uh, when you're a young cat, you just want to go out and hit it, pound it, just go, you get injured that way. So, you know, like, uh, you just kind of learn the game and how to, how to, how to roll with it. But you anyways, like sparkling uh, water now instead of regular water. What was that? You drink like sparkling water now instead of regular water. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You're older. laughs> yeah. Man, I did a bit of running. I was awful though. Like bad. The nice thing about <laughs> running long distances is when you do your mile warm up, it, you laugh at how easy it is to run a mile because you're used to running so many. 
I yeah remember yourself like in junior high school where they'd make you run the mile and you'd be like this is bullshit <laughs> no it's 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 definitely one of those weird things is you know you can relate to when you tour on the road and you're going like well somebody's going like okay well um you know uh hey can you come and do this gig you know let's say you're you're based in los angeles they're like can you come up to bakersfield and do this gig or something like that or san diego and you're like yeah that's quick you know i'll just go run down and do it and other people are like whoa like that's like a whole day thing for me or something you know they're not distance and uh is something different to a touring artist as well as you know a, a distance runner you know so you're like oh, i'm gonna go out and, on an easy 10 miler you know and somebody else that doesn't run they're like what the f what are you talking about 10 miles like quick that's like i don't think i'll ever run that you know and you're like yeah yeah it's like it's like it's like a quick you know pace thing for me and stuff so anyways i got into this whole jam of running and uh made me feel good and uh, decided to write a song about it that that other runners and people that go adventuring and hiking in the outdoors could could understand as well and i was like this is a cool thing and then it got picked up by trail runner magazine and uh I, I have a bunch of you know nutsos like me that are that are around the country that come out and see shows and stuff that are all like hey man i totally connected with your song you know i, I use it as my warm-up or you know it's just a good jam and um is there a lot you know, of VWs at your concerts? Yeah, tons of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's, no, it's, it's, you know, there's a fair amount, but um, like, for example, I got a tour coming up and we're going over to Colorado Springs and a guy's like, I can't believe you're coming to Colorado Springs. And I'm like, I, you know, and uh, he's like, oh, I found you, you know, love good to be alive. And, you know, so it's definitely connecting with people. And yeah. I'm really fortunate that, that, that kind of got picked up and yeah. uh, authentic and genuine. It's not like contrived. It's not, so it's, you know, it comes from a real spot. It's, you know, just waking up every day, getting out the door and feeling good to be alive, you know, just, just getting out there. So. That's cool. All right, Brian. Yeah. So I did a little bit, I, I looked it up. I wanted to see on Wikipedia, what other American Indian bands or songwriters are. Now there's a few real obvious ones that, um, what was it? Red, you know, they were all Indian. I was part of the name of the whole, the whole thing, but, uh, there's a couple that were new. So Marty Robbins. Yeah, he yeah. was a Native American. American. That was, my, that was my dad's favorite artist. Oh, neat. Yeah, I grew up listening to everything he he put out, and you know that was the big thing. Is like there's not very many, but at the same time, like you know, I'm just as American as I am Native American. So you know, it's uh, it's kind of a one of those things where I really take a lot of pride in it. But at the same time, I take a lot of pride in my mama's side of the family too. So it's not no, it's not no double-edged sword there for me how did your parents meet was was your dad from a reservation or no oh my dad see my dad's mama is uh almost full-blooded uh native american and my dad's dad was adopted and they were from san antonio texas and, okay uh, they moved from they migrated from san antonio area out to east texas and then i was the only one born in louisiana so i was born in louisiana and uh my mama on her side of the family it's a lot of irish and uh, so it's like a little bit of Irish and Cherokee, a little bit of everything mixed together. And you sound like an angry motherfucker. Then <laughs> <laughs> we'll be good. <laughs> oh, you no. cut out. What did you say? I said, just keep me away from whiskey. We'll be good. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, <that's the> deal. <laughs> you know, it's like I really just enjoy, you know, writing stuff that really means a lot to me. And, um, and like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of drug use and stuff in my family when I was growing up. And I kind of uh, thought that for a long time that I was going to be subject to that for the rest of my life. And I use songs as a way of healing and getting through all that. And 
seeing all that happen in my life and I use it as a tool of healing and, and finding peace in it, you know? So it's like, that's the biggest thing about it. And it's just, you got to keep pushing through. I wish I could run a mile. I mean, I've heard him talking about running 10 miles, a uh, hundred miles. I'm like, man, I'm just trying to work on my first hundred yards. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're kind of a whirlwind right now. You're, you're getting really popular really quick, which is a great thing, man. It's a good thing. I, I actually uh, wrote to some roadie dudes, a stagehand guy, uh, cause he was a mutual friend on Facebook. It's my little cheat. You know, I'm like, tell me some shit on this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, he's like, I ain't got no shit. He's like, I love that fucking dude. <laughs> so it's a little hats off, you know, it's kind of good stuff. It's nice to hear. So, uh, did you guys, so were you writing poetry as kids or did you guys write straight to the guitar when you were little or how did you guys both get started? Cause you know, it's interesting about the two of you is uh, though you're, you're a bit different genres, definitely different vocal styles for sure you're both singer songwriters and uh in my world that, that's my favorite kind of music so uh what was it that got you guys thinking that you should mix words around and try and make them pretty i'll let you want to go first man i'll let you go first yeah you go okay all right well uh my deal was like i said uh i kind of kind of learned at an early age that you know i could string a couple words together and uh make them rhyme and and you know, it was one of those things where, like I said, even as a kid, I didn't realize it until I was like seven, eight years old. But I started battling with a little bit of, you know, anxiety and depression and all that stuff. And so I would write poetry to kind of help me heal even at that early age. And I, my mama was dragging me around uh, singing festivals and stuff when I was a kid. I actually burned out on singing by the time I was 13. And then I started focusing on writing. And because uh, my mama used to play on the Louisiana Hayride with Farron Young and David Houston, all those guys, and Neat. Uh, I, I burn out on the on the singing at 13, and I said I'm gonna focus on writing. And really and truly, I never thought I'd actually uh, me being an artist would ever outgrow that part of me. But you know, it, it is what it is. I'm thankful for all of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, mine mine's a little bit. I guess you know, yeah, you you, you figure out words work a certain way with each other, but. Um, you know, I was, I'm the youngest of 10 kids. So I was like pretty influenced by everything that my brothers and sisters were listening to. Thank so you. were your you parents know, I, like really religious? Well, I come from a mixed family. It's it was Catholic, you know, but it's a mixed family. Uh, so, you know, I had half brothers and sisters and stuff like that, but um, you know, so I was just, uh, you know, taking whatever, influences you know so I was watching a ton of MTV before everybody else was my you know on my block um you know I'd sneak into my brother's room grab his white you know Yamaha bass and pretend I was playing in front of Buffalo Stadium too like you know Duff was you know um you know grab my sister's hairbrush and stuff so so then when I asked for a guitar uh when I was like about 10 or 11 11 probably it just looked cool everything that you know was slash looked cool like you know james hetfield looked cool to me you know it was all that it was very hard rock very rock and roll for me and um you know so uh i got a i got a guitar from my from my grandfather who lived in north dakota sent it he got it at a barn and uh, sent it out to california i started playing on it right away didn't even know what i was doing but knew uh i was started coming up with songs like right away you still have the guitar yeah i still have the guitar uh yeah i'm in my my like writing shed thing here you know so it's like you know it's you got a lot of like 
my wife's like, oh, you're going to get another guitar or something like that. And it's like, well, you know, yeah, they're, they're all little memories. And, you know, even if they're a shit guitar or something like that, they got a ton attached to them. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I started writing and, and just, uh, you know, didn't even really know what I was doing, but started writing those songs at like 11. But I don't remember really when, you know, yeah, I would be writing poetry and I'd also be drawing skulls with like nooses and stuff like that. Cause I was turned on by like heavy metal and, and thrash and all that stuff. Everything, there used to be those little magazines, right. With like the t-shirts and stuff. And I would just look at like Deacid and, you know, Megadeth was my first concert that I ever went to and stuff. So I come from that kind of whole world and, um, you know, and then punk came in later and then, um, you know, when you're skateboarding and as a teenager and stuff. And so we had bands and I was always kind of like one of the principal main songwriters of these bands and stuff. And what um, was your first band's name? First band was called Poe, P-O-E. Okay. And then we another band called Poe at that time. So this is like 90s. I remember you know? the other band. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we, you know, we were all turned on by like Edgar Allan Poe and stuff. The Raven, we had a song, The Raven, where we put all those lyrics and, and then we just came up with like a punk kind of thing. And I mean, we were jumping off, you know, pools, you know, I'm jumping off roofs into pools, skateboarding, just, you know, playing at like, you know, dances and stuff. I remember the first gig we played was uh, we got hired to play a party and. Um, oh, your camera turned off, Dave. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> it's a beautiful mug. Gotta be a... <laughs> first thing we got you know we, we were playing at we got and knew like three songs we had like two of our own and we knew uh ruby soho by rancid and so we just fucking played that like on repeat like 12 times it was like one more time one more time you know <laughs> it was it was uh man it's been a long journey and i was in a hard rock band for a lot of years and then kind of went to the singer songwriter thing when i turned 30 and i had a little baby girl on the way Oh. And a band kind of dissolved and, you know, there comes a time in a, in a guy's life or just any musician's life where you kind of reach those crossroads. And um, the guys had one foot in, one foot out. And I was like, man, I got to do this. This is what I want to do. And, and so I'd written this uh, album called Smile, which was completely different from the album that I had just come out with with my band called Songs in the Key of Dead. So it was like two different <laughs> things. I went about like, you know, it was a very Stone Tell Pilots, Guns N' Roses, that family tree of, of band um you know and writing like that you know darker kind of stuff and um it's a writing these songs and feelings that i that i just came like wow i'm having a baby i'm started start writing about love didn't feel cheesy uh, and uh you know and then once the band dissolved i was like well i still want to play music so do you think we'll you can do it because you're kind of like dude it's about my daughter man she's on the way yeah. motherfucker. fuck you, <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah you know and uh no man it's a crazy thing you you know chemically you change as a dad like you just your vibe your the way you think what priorities are and uh you know it's just it's all i've always followed this like whatever i'm feeling kind of mentality and um and it just felt right at the time and so i started following this other americana kind of path which was just stripped down and and uh, i didn't grow up listening to a ton of country or anything like that or or any folk really you know my dad was from Texas, you know, uh, you know, we go back to like the Alamo days, you know, my family came from the King of Spain sent over and Veracruz, Mexico came up from there. We also have some native American, you know, mixed in and stuff. And, um, you know, my dad came out for the Marine Corps in Korean war and, uh, to Pan you know, Camp Pendleton in San Diego. And my mom came from North Dakota. So they were both first generation, California hmm. and Los Angeles. And, Anyways, I'm going, I'm going here and there. Yeah, and everywhere. going deep. 
we want we we getting to know the man behind the songs, man. That's what it's all. You got a you got a story, and that's what makes us storytellers, man. We got we yeah. live the what makes the songs what they are. We've lived life, man. That's the way it I, works. I think that's a great 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 point you bring up. Is it's um in a band you're kind of creating your story, you know, you're you got your four buddies, you know, five buddies. It's all for one, one for all, and now. It's a little less personal, I feel like sometimes. And being a singer-songwriter, you write about the shit that you go through, and you don't really, you can't really fake it. You know, it's it's oh. all pretty authentic if you're going to sing about it because you you're the one singing about it. It's your name up on the billboard. It's your thing. You know, you can't really. Um... That's the one thing. Like I've always said this, and this is something I've always believed in. Uh, I've always wrote. Really and truly, I always wrote for myself to to uh, to kind of like I said heal and go through things and and yeah. process. I've always been somebody I really can't can't go and talk to somebody about my problems, but I can talk to a guitar. You know what I mean? Like my my guitar has always kind of been my my uh, therapy session. So I go in there, I talk to this guitar, and I may not even know that I need that song until a year later, and that song hits me, and it you know, and it's like, oh man, I needed to hear that today or something, you know, and. And when you get to relate to other people by doing the same thing and you hear their stories about how they they're going through the same thing and that song helped them change their life. It's like, that's what I did it for me, but I helped somebody else. So it's like, I've always said, I won't, I only write what I live and I won't write nothing. I ain't lived unless I'm ready to live through it. That's yeah. just what it's like. I really believe if you ain't lived it and you're writing it, you better buckle up and get ready. Cause you're probably going to go through it. And I've already been through enough. I'll just write about what I live. Yeah. <laughs> That song it's you just said, you did a song about Hank Williams. Did you write that one? Yeah, over Hank. Yeah. So is it a little intimidating to stick a guy's name like Hank Williams in your song and hope that everybody kind of like digs it? Cause... It is. It's it's tough because, like I said, it's one of those things where you want to pay homage at the same time. But it, it's like this. The way I've always looked at it is, you know, everybody uses that that name in songs. But, you know, in country music. You're not gonna, you're not gonna outdo Hank. So it's like you can't over, you can't over Hank it. You know, it's like no matter how many times you, you do it, you, you might can over drink it, you know, and overthink it. And if a ship comes rolling in, you can sink it. But you, in country music, you can't over Hank it. That's just the truth of it, man. And I think that a lot of people use that name as, as kind of like a, uh, what do you call it, like a cliche thing. But for yeah. me, it, it was in, uh, it was in intentions of going, hey, you know, I've listened to this all my, all my life. No matter what I do, I'm not gonna not gonna be able to, you know, overhang a damn song, you know. So uh, that's what my my intentions were on that song, and that was kind of like the fun song on the album. The rest of them go a little bit deeper, so it's uh, you know. But that's that's the one I had a good time with uh, Colt Ford. Uh, he jumped on there. I think it's the first time I've ever had a, a Colt jump on anything with mine, and and that's the first time I ever branched over into a different genre too. So like to have him come on there and. And do what he does best, you know, jump on there and lay down a verse and and get people moving. I like that, you know. He's 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 a really energetic. He's took me in as a like a little brother underneath my wing, and and I really appreciate everything they're doing with me over there. That's cool. I'm gonna pick on you a bit, possibly. I don't know. So I one of the bones I love bringing up is the crazy gigs you've had. You know, places you've played out where you're thinking, boy, my mom could see me now. You know, <laughs> but uh, I I think I'm right here. Did you try out for American Idol? When was this? Uh, back in 2010, I believe. 2010, when I was like 19, 20 years old, uh, I did. 
I did try out. I, I, I mean, I was at that, at that at that stage in my life, life hadn't hit me real hard yet, so I was still trying to do the the singing thing. So it's like, as you go on with life and you start uh you start finding depth in it, and like he was talking about having babies, and I started realizing real fast that you know there was a lot more things important to me than going on a reality TV show. But I'll be honest with you, they they didn't even give me ten seconds of time. They said I wouldn't worth shit. <laughs> <laughs> what did you sing? I think I, man, to be honest with you, like you, you threw me in this spot, but I, I sang, uh, I think I believe I sang Burn Guys and Chills and Stone, Chisel and Stone. And I mean, you got to think about it at that time, nobody else was auditioning with a Burn Guys and Song, but you know, I, my daddy was a big Burn fan and he always used to, uh, pick on me all the time, but, He's like, man, you're pretty good, but you ain't no burn guys in you. And I, and I kind of always took that to heart, but at the same time, I was like, you're right. I'm not burn. I'm, I'm Brian Martin. Like I got to be me and I got to do what I do. And I've never set out to be the best, uh, vocalist, uh, yeah. because I really believe that if, if, if you really have the emotions in a song, the vocals do the rest. You know, it's like if you, your vocals, you don't have to, you don't have to out sing, uh, van halen or, or none of those guys if you got the right emotions and the right story in your song then it, it kind of tells its own story itself you know? yeah do you have any gigs that stand out david where you were uh, you're you were playing and you're kind of like uh yeah why is there a truck of uh i don't know buffaloes in front here or whatever <laughs> uh, well you know there's just uh i don't even know the hell that man by the way i don't know truck of buffalo I don't know. <laughs> but i'm not even gonna draw attention to it yeah yeah, uh, no. yeah. i mean you there's little things along the way, but it's, it's, it's sometimes hard to kind of go like and take things in, you know, and just kind of go like, Oh man, I'm here. Like, this is, you know, on a, on a cool level, like, Hey, like, uh, like I've gotten to this, you know, like, this is a great gig to have. You're more like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? You know, you're trying to move up this ladder or whatever, you know? Um, but you know, just times where you're, uh, you know, you're playing, I was stuck in an elevator with Joe Perry one time going down to the house of blues, you know, and, and just talking with Joe about, um, you know, I think that their bus had just ran into a deer. And so we started talking, my, my drummer was with me. And so he was a big hunter. And so he, we were start, start talking about hunting and I'm like, I can't believe I'm fucking sitting here or in an elevator talking with Joe fucking Perry about <laughs> hunting and like a deer and a thing. And I'm like, this is just wild. And, and you know, there's just times where you're, you're just like, there's gigs where you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? This is not worth it. You know, this is not, a, there's nobody here. I'm out in the you know, middle of fucking nowhere. And, uh, and there are times where you're just like, you roll in, you got your whole production and, uh, you know, you got guys cause it's a union job. They won't let you touch your gear whatsoever. You feel, you feel like a fucking rock star. And you're like, this is all right. This is, this is good stuff. You know, like I was, I'm a big sports guy, right? So mm-hmm. sports have always been there for me as long as well as music. Like they've always just been there and they're always in my outlets. And um, my dad was a big, uh, you know, sports guy and stuff. And so when I left, I went to college. I went, you know, came out with a business degree, um, worked at Sony pictures, you know, and took my boss's expense report to accounting one time. And, um, you know, I was a young kid and in a really good position up in LA and, um, you know, much better than what my, my age probably, you know, said I should be in. But, um, 
took boss's expense report. Two guys were talking probably about our age now, you know, and they were just saying, Oh, I hate the drive in, you know, I was soccer, you know, on the weekend, this thing and that and the other, you know, just hating their life, you know, just kind of cooler talk. And, um, I said, that's what I don't want. I don't want to be there. And so I left that corporate job and then I had to explain to my dad, you know, who had, you know, like you're climbing this corporate ladder, you're going to be a, you know, a studio executive one day, you know, you play music on the side, you do this and the, the other thing. So I got nine other kids that will help pay for you then. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's wild by the time I got to me, they were like, okay, just do what you want to do. But, you know, there was a pride thing. Like my dad was like, you know, like he came from nothing. He used to pick cotton in the cotton fields, watermelons, all that stuff down in Texas. And so he came from a dirt floor. Spanish was his first language. So he made something of his life. He was a principal in LA Unified School District you know, and, you know, supported us and did that. But sports was always like the common ground, you know, like I could curse on the ball field, you know, my dad didn't like give me a belt or anything like that. But if I did it at home, he'd definitely, you know, tan my hide. Um, But uh, I explained it to him. I said, Hey dad, you know, I'm going to be playing the minor leagues basically, but what ball player isn't going to go for their shot, you know, in the majors. And I want to get up, you know, I'm be touring around and, you know, squalor and, you know, kind of touring around and it's going to look like road trips, you know, like with your buddies and stuff, but Did you get a scholarship. To college? What's that? Did you get a college scholarship. No, 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 no. I'm talking about after college. Yeah. Oh, okay. So basically I'm going, I'm equating it to being a, you know, a ball player, you know, going like, Hey dad, you know, I'm going to be touring around with my rock and roll band and uh, in a van, you know, basically like a bus touring around to these podunk cities, you know, uh, with my minor league ball club and he's like okay I kind of get it and he's like and he started building into the idea of it more you know of that whole idea of like okay yeah but what ball player wouldn't keep playing ball so this is this is what my son wants to do is play music okay I get it you know and uh and he's you know he he passed a couple of years ago and uh he got to see me do some real cool things and see his you know my name up on the, the big lights and you know just always proud of me and stuff and uh he definitely you know grew into that like okay this is exactly what my son should be doing you know and uh yeah man it's a it's a cool yeah i guess to answer your question roundabout way yeah man there's there's times where there's you know goats and buffalo in the in the uh in the audience you know and uh and there's times where there's you know thousands of people and you're and you're stoked and but they're the ups and downs of touring that you know and that all the roadies know and it's just it's a it's a fucking um it gets addicting and you don't want to do it when you come home you're like never going on a fucking road trip again or tour <laughs> and you're like but then you're like jonesing to get back out there because you're like oh it's a, the adventure of it you know the whole thing of it you bring in a little dough that feels good you know you imagine like the back. willie nelson's or the bb kings where they've literally been on the road forever <laughs> like since I mean, the dawn yeah, of time <laughs> well and, and especially the the, the blues blues guys you know and in in environments that were inhospitable you know in the south you know dealing with all that shit you know and uh, charlie (laughs) Patton was another one here he was actually cherokee oh really yeah i mean literally dealing with all that stuff you know the south is a different thing too because you know my dad grew up in the 50s and uh he was dark skin won texas state championship in high school but wasn't allowed to drink from the same water fountain and go to the same restaurants that his football team was, even though he was one of the star football players. So it was like one of those things where, you know, uh, not that long ago, huh? It's crazy. Not that long ago. And, and just crazy. Cause you think it's only, you know, for the black kids or something like that. And, and, uh, you know, my dad, 
and, and another guy on his football team, the black kid. And so the Mexican kid, Mexicans were almost treated worse, you know, mm. in Texas. It's pretty, it's pretty rough, man. That's the one thing I, I can uh, contest to that. I, there was a lot of people that actually uh, picked on me in school because they were like, you know, they thought I was, you know, I thought I was Mexican. I always just said, well, hey, if I am, I am, you know, it's like San Antonio. There ain't no telling what I am. I'm a little bit of everything, but I'm my grandma. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's, and it's crazy. It's wild to think about that. When you think about Jackie Robinson playing baseball and, and just the fifties, you're oh, like, man, pressure on your shoulders. Ago. That wasn't long ago, you know, that's no. a wild about. And just being a musician at those times, you know, and what they were trying to deal with, you know, yeah, we're, we're dealing with, you know, just trying to get to the next city or doing whatever and life on the road that, you know, uh, but, but they were dealing with uh, discrimination and justice, all that kind of shit. I got a random one in spoonful. Is that you dancing with the paper mache hat on? <laughs> so everybody thinks that they're like, Oh, did you keep that big old spoon, that, that head? Oh, you he's know? a really good dancer. He's cutting a rug. Oh no, no, no. Those were, that, that girl was like five foot two and uh, they're, they're both girls and they're, uh, they're dancers. They're, you know, I had a friend that's, uh, my my buddy who I, I said, I don't know what this, I usually have a good idea about what a video should be. And so this guy that I've been working with for a long time, my buddy, Zach, he, um, I said, you know what, just take this and run with it. He's like, I kind of want to do something like based on Forky and kind of Pixar thing, but I want to make it trippy, you know? And, and, uh, and I'm like, go with it. I'm like, run with it. And so we just kind of talked about some ideas and stuff. And I just said, you know, I just want, I want it to be, like uh digestible enough for a little kid but i also wanted it to be uh you know how like in disney and pixar and stuff there's a little bit of like innuendo that kind of only adults will get and stuff and i was like yeah let's do something like that so that there's like an acid tab that the spoon's tripping out on and stuff in the video and um but uh you know it's it's nice enough but yeah no that's not me but uh, everybody asked if i kept that head and the head is like a big paper mache thing right and so the the uh, filmographer uh, who did it, he actually kept it, took some of the hair off, and it's sitting in Long Beach, California, in a in his win- apartment window, looking down on the street. And he's like, "Yeah, man, everybody trips out when they look at that <laughs> thing. It's like, ah, what is that thing? I got it right yeah. here, actually, but I got my <laughs> my paper mache guy. <laughs> man, I keep them in the bedroom, but uh, my girlfriend made me take them out of the bedroom. Like, it's hey, we're there. down to business and made things out here." <laughs> What'd you say, Brian? Or action if you take the paper mache guy out of the bedroom. That's yeah, weird. Was, <laughs> wasn't into it. Uh, that's what I yeah. <laughs> anyways, yeah. So uh when I first started putting together this podcast, we've been talking about kids for briefly, but my buddies mostly have kids now. And one of my friend's daughters said that I should ask every guest when they first felt famous. So I ask each of you guys, when did you first feel famous? Now, if fame is not a road that you choose to pursue in answering your question, totally cool. The question then would be, when was there a moment in your career as a catalyst that really evolved and changed things up that made you feel good about yourself or set you on the right way? Or where's a kernel of time in your life that you would share? Man, uh, aren't we, Joel? What do you say? <laughs> We're going deep, aren't we? Dude, yeah, yeah, little yeah. kids, man, they're smart. <laughs> my questions are actually yeah. my next one here. It was uh, so Brian was Texas County Songwriter of the Year. And uh, if you look up the video on YouTube where they did an interview with you, they spelled songwriter wrong. <laughs> oh, I, know. The of the thing. I know. <laughs> Those that's, are my deep questions. That's me getting into that, it. That's 
that's the one thing like I, I did I won a country songwriter of the year in uh in Texas in 2019 but uh to be honest with you man I I really like I said uh I still struggle with that every day like some people tell me you know just because of numbers or this that and the other they they try to put a label on me and it's like to me you know I've always been about the song I've always been about uh keeping it real and and, and being who I am so it's like I you know I still ain't never gonna change that and the one thing that the only time I actually felt that that kernel in the time you said was uh, when I wrote a song and uh, my daddy, uh, it uh, it led my dad to the Lord and uh, it changed his life. And I, I wrote that back when I was like 21, 22 years old. I was on a, uh, a tractor, bush hogging 95 acres uh, with a five foot bush hog and it was 110 degrees, no, no roof, no air conditioner. And I was just uh, working out there and uh, I wrote this song for my dad. And my dad had struggled with being an alcoholic for most of my life. And uh, it was one of those times where when I was able to reach him and break through to him with a song enough for him to change his life, I, I told myself in that moment that, uh, you know, if I can reach him, I can, I may be able to reach some more people, you know. And, and, I, and this work led me to where I am today, you know. And that's, that's not fame, but to me, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a reach. And, it, you know, reaching one person to me, has always meant more to me than anything. And if I've done that, then whenever my time's done, then I did what I was supposed to do. That's great, man. Yeah, man, that's a cool moment. I don't, Trump that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> you should have gone first, David. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, I could try, you know, it's everybody's story's truth and stuff, so it's right for them. And, you know, so, like, I guess when you feel – uh moments where you you feel like you've made it or become famous or something like this I don't know man it's like uh I'm still not you know so it's like you you're you're still you know you're still working it you know you're still trying to do your Pick thing the shea head is like more popular than you <laughs> no man it's it's uh you know you might be famous to you know some people that you don't even know man so it's like I don't know what does that question even mean uh yeah you well, know, it's interesting like, because it's coming from a little kid. So when you were a little kid, Hank Williams, Marty Robbins, they're famous, let's say, you know. And as you grow older, maybe you'd be more interested in meeting Nancy Griffith than Marty Robbins. Uh, it just changes <laughs> up your life. So you know, fame is totally different. Yeah, I think I think probably the time that, that keeps you going is, is just that I think being on stage is like when you feel like, wow, I'm doing something. People are looking. People are vibing off this. Uh, they're cheering this is like scoring a touchdown for for 40 minutes here you know this is this is that same feeling it gets a high man it's a natural high and um and you're always chasing that and it's the same way whether you're you know it's the same thing uh whether you're playing football or surfing or whatever you're chasing this natural high this thing that makes you feel good you know that's why you keep on scrolling through your your instagram and looking at your likes and stuff because you're trying to you know your brain's reacting to it in a way and uh Are you friends with those surfer girls would they hear that in your video because yeah Julie hernandez and malia ward yeah yeah so uh they're friends Lucky of friends guy, this guy. And, uh, yeah man they're, a music video with like the most gorgeous woman of surfing running around hey all these all these spices skateboarding <laughs> and uh you know just uh I mean, even we rolled past Guitar Center. That's where I, you know, take past my mom to take me every Saturday, you know, the, the one on uh, Sunset. And, you know, every one of those spots in that video is like, uh, 
like a memory, you know? So I, it was pretty personal and I was like, you know what? Nobody wants to look at me. You know? <laughs> <For> the- <laughs> I'll show them. <laughs> well, I'm like, let's do something that's vibey. You know, let's, uh, I was originally going to do like roller skating and some booty shorts on girls. And I'm like, that's cool. That I'd like to look at that. And my wife was like, come on, you're better than this. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Am I really better? I'm not much better. (laughs) I'm really not that much better, man. Um, and, uh, and then we were like, you know, my daughter's skateboarding now and I'm just, and she's surfing. And so I'm like, you know, this is a, there are a lot more girls skateboarding now and surfing out in the water than when I was growing up. And so I'm seeing, you know, that happen, that changeover. And I'm like, this is a cool thing. And I'm like, let's get people behind this. I'm like, let's just say more than the girl with the booty shorts. You know, I'm like, let's, you got an opportunity here to, to do something, say something. I don't know if that's the dad in me. I don't know what that is. You know, I feel like since I've become a dad, I've just been more punk rock about things in general. You care less about what people think. You you just do your own thing. You, you got spit up walking into a store, you know, right here. You know, you're just like, fuck it. I don't care. You know, you just stop caring. And I'm sure your friends say the same thing that, that have kids and stuff. They're just like, fuck it. And, um, but yeah, man, I think the first time you're up on stage, that's probably the first time you feel like, whether it's to your, uh, junior high school dance or you know to a coffee shop full of people or you know s- standing in, in front of an amphitheater you know it's uh it, it, there's just a high off of it and that's the time you feel that you're chasing and that's the time you feel famous you know you're just like man this is worth it i'm totally doing something good here yeah is it aggravating i'm sure both of you get it but you know jack johnson would listen in a little bit to your music is it aggravating when people are like oh man you sound like jack johnson david or Dude, so let me fucking tell you this <laughs> so um man if i'm playing solo and just based on the area that i live in and where i play solo or something like that or if i'm anywhere really people go hey man you sound like jack johnson and i'm like i sound my voice sounds nothing like jack johnson <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh you know i got more country in my voice just by based of the you know tone of my voice than than jack and his thing but I'm like, if that's who you're relating it to, I'm like, that's cool. Because you know what? That person means something to you, probably. And uh, you you take the higher road. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. And you know what? I would love to go on tour with Jack. I'd love to just, you know, I mean, it would be, I'll go on. It's a a compliment because people don't, I say this, you know, people don't have to give you shit in this world. And when somebody gives you a compliment or they tip you or they give you something for free, you know, a guitar or whatever, they don't have to do a goddamn thing for you. And yeah. so when they do that, that means something. Yeah. And that, you know, so what is it? Somebody's somebody wrote out like a or had a blank sheet of like a legal pad and they said, This is what you're entitled to in your fucking life. And there's nothing. You know? Not- you're entitled to nothing, you know. And so, you know, unless you're born in the US and then you get, you know, freedom of speech and those are the things you're entitled to and such, but you know, which is a lot more than a lot of people have. But um, you know, yeah, feel fortunate when somebody gives me a, a compliment and tells me that I sound like Jack or tells me I sound like, you know, somebody I've never heard of before, because, you know, sometimes I've like, never heard of that person before. I'll go check them out. You know, you get turned on to buy stuff and you're like, I don't really sound anything like them, but you know what? Something reminded them felt good yeah. enough that they came up to me and said something. So, yeah. yeah. You know, Brian, we're just talking about keeping it real. I just I'm trying to think how to phrase it. So if you're writing your own music though, if you're writing your own lyrics wouldn't you always be keeping it real? I mean, the whole like sold out thing. How do you sell out when you're writing your own shit? You know, well, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can. I think that the big thing is like, it's just what people are. People are 
are a lot different as far as looking at things nowadays. Uh, sometimes, like, I came from Texas, so, like, I love everything about play, where I played in Texas and everything, but as soon as you jump in that vehicle and you move, move your way to Nashville, everybody automatically starts saying, hey, he's, you know, he's done sold out. But at the end of the day, like, you listen to my lyrics, you listen to my songs, you'll know that it's coming from the deepest places that I've ever been. And, and for my whole life, I've been in Texas and Louisiana and, and everywhere I've been and all the jobs I've done. And my babies, like I said, I worked in oil field 15 years. So when I was working out there on the rigs and I was missing my four babies, uh, I wrote oil field dad and that song related to a lot of people in the oil field. And, and for seven years, that song was one of my biggest songs I'd ever had. And uh, everybody then thought I was famous. And I, they said, man, why are you still out here working on a rig? Why ain't you done moved to Nashville? Why ain't you done, you know, uh, went and done this, that, and the other? And I, uh, what you was talking about earlier about the American Idol thing, you'll never be able to count the amount of times in my post that people said, man, you ought to try out for The Voice. Or you ought to try out for American yeah. Idol. And that's Same always <laughs> everybody says that. Everybody says it. And I think that, that that's their level that they put you on. I think they yeah. put you you have to be on that level in order for them to see you as, you know, significant. And uh, it's like with me moving up here, like I'm still friends with a lot of Cody Jinx's team, you know, uh, Bobby Keith and uh, his tour manager over there. And, and they're some of the realest people I've ever met. And that never, that never got to his head. That never, uh, none of that changed him. You know, he, he stayed who he was and, you know, I know they're doing their own thing and, and it's taken off great. The same thing with a lot of these people I started out around, like Laney Wilson and, um, you know, Priscilla Block. You know, we started out uh, doing this stuff. And I never really saw myself as commercial, I'll be honest with you. Like, I really never uh, see anything that I put out as commercial. But some some way or another, uh, some songs relate to people. And, and he's in the uh, – hold on just a second. Sure. I don't, I wish I had like the Jeopardy music. I'd be like, I'm back. Yeah. But but no, what I was saying, man, is I really truly believe that you can't sell out as long as you and your heart and soul know that you're being you, you're being you and you're being, or you're going to have haters in the comments that are going to say, you know, Oh, well he's, he's sold out. But at the end of the day, like you're not paying my rent either. You know, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, you're not paying my rent. And if you listen to my lyrics, it comes from the realest places I've been. I, like I said, I wear this every day uh, because I saw my uncle get stabbed to death over drugs, you know. Wow. He was a Caddo Indian. And, uh, and you know, it was my aunt that, you know, got put in jail for it. And she was an addict. And I come from a lot of deep, dark places. And overcoming those things through music has always been my way of moving forward. So whatever stair step and every time I moved past something, an addiction or whatever it was, I've always learned that there's growth in that and that's not selling out. That's, that's pretty much growing and learning from mistakes. And that's what you want your babies to do too, as they grow up. So you have to grow up with them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a grown adult, but uh, I had to do a whole lot of growing up uh, as my kids were growing up. Yeah. Do you drink or no? I drank a little bit. I, I did, uh, I got real bad off on whiskey when me and my old lady had, we had went through a year of separation and, uh, that was the worst time in my life, I believe. But I wrote Beauty and the Struggle during that time. I wrote Lost during that time. More than the Shine, all in the meantime, staying in a camper trailer out behind my mom and daddy's house. And, um, and I couldn't see my kids, but every uh, 
couple of weeks and it was killing me. Like I said, I'd, I'd worked my whole life to see, you know, to take care of them and everything. And, uh, I'd been a, I'd been a pill addict for years. Uh, I was addicted to Oxycontin and everything else. When I first met her, I'd had a couple of football injuries. And I just let that, I took that to extremes and I just kind of followed down the road that the rest of my family was taking. And, uh, she stuck by me when I was, I tried to quit two or three times during the time that we were together. And she was the only person that ever stood by me when I'd be curled up in the, in the bed, coming home from work, curled up in the bed and, and shaking, just wishing I could just get one more fix, you know? And, uh, I always kept that with me. And that's why I wrote Beauty in the Struggle is because, uh, when I was going through all that stuff, I realized real quick that I was, I was not much of anything without that woman, you know, and, and without her in my life and without my kids in my life. And, the bottle started taking over and I like I said I wrote Whiskey and the Devil and a couple other songs and I learned real quick that hey I got I gotta get I gotta get my priorities straight you know I've done been through this once or twice in my life and you can't speak you know stupid is a is a hard thing to fix and you know what's that definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results Mm. and I had to uh, really learn that uh, the most important thing in my life is my music, my songs, and my babies and my family. Mm-hmm. So I went back to that. And uh, that was after I had a real bad wreck in, in Kentucky. I went off a 20-foot cliff in Kentucky and uh, had a brain injury. And they told me I wasn't ever going to be able to uh, write songs again. They didn't think I would because I had such a bad brain injury. And uh, it was like two weeks later, I wrote another song. And, and, uh, and it was uh, Self-Inflicted Scars. And that's it. That's it. The title of that album is oh, because man. I it's just me telling myself that I can't blame none of this on nobody else. This is me. This is all self-inflicted scars. Everything I've been through has been self-inflicted. Nobody put that uh, pill bottle in my hand. Nobody put that bottle of uh, whiskey in my hand. I put it in my own hand. And it's it's my choice now what I do with that. You know, it's like I found some kind of peace in being able to, you know, go to a bar and not drink. Now, if I go to a bar and I say, hey, I want to have a beer. I found peace in knowing that I can have just one beer, but there was yeah. a time I couldn't do that. And, uh, like I said, that's the biggest thing with me is, you know, everybody in your life around you is what you, is what's fueling you. And, um, this has been a big change in my life, like moving up here and taking this chance. I'd always worked uh, a regular job, uh, in the oil field and would save up just enough money to go record one song a year sometime because I wouldn't want to take food out of my baby's mouth to go cut music because I always thought that was kind of selfish of me and and then now taking this leap of faith and doing this full time it really gets in your head because it's like now I don't have a regular job to support this habit (laughs) this is a this is my this is my career like this is like on on slow weeks you're like what am I going to do because now I don't have a, a backup plan you know and the only thing to do is uh enjoy the climb and find wisdom in the valleys because you got to have both of them. You got to have both of them, man. Mm-hmm. That's great. It's good advice. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Well, I appreciate both of you guys' time. Thank you for it. Thank you, man. I look forward to talking to you guys both again soon on the uh, the next album. We'll bring it back. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Don't forget to like and subscribe by clicking the round button on the bottom right. To learn more about me or the guests on the show, go to joelrody.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok 
that handles Joel Rody. And don't forget, when you party like a rock star, don't be a dick. <laughs>